0: Welcome to Jin and Tantra, Spirituality with a Twist, the podcast that takes Tantrism, Buddhism, Taoism, Sufism, Kabbalism, Shamanism, Chinese Medicineism, <laughs> and all of the other isms we've been influenced by, and blends them into a tall, crisp, cool cocktail, your spirit. Has been longing. Long. I want you to get together. Now, isn't that refreshing?
1: I want you to get together. Hey, fellow GTers, those of us who like our spirituality with a twist. We are in, uh, by my count, episode four in Daniel and my Foundational Spiritual Teachings Practice and Philosophy series, and these are probably our deepest dive episodes where we look at Buddhist, Tantric, Taoist, and so on, concepts and practices, and how to apply them to our 21st century lives. But for this episode, it seems like it would be a little better to do a short, sweet, but important kind of big picture episode, because... I know, Daniel, I started noticing something that maybe I hadn't been thinking about when we first started this series, which is that, you know, since we started, we've recorded these other episodes. We've been doing a lot of them. And so we did kind of our one on uh, sort of spirituality and psychedelics. We started doing our interview episodes. We had a really good one with uh, uh, Samit Kumar, and we talked a lot about things about psychology. And I kind of noticed as we're going along that, you know, we're kind of, maybe redefining Tantra a little bit as we're doing this, you know, mm-hmm. you know, Tantra is kind of a technical thing. It has its own meaning and you can't really deny that that's true. You know, the term means to weave. It's a deep spiritual tradition. It goes all the way back to India and in the Bhagavad Gita, you know, so we're talking like 500 BC. Um, it's a, it's a practice tradition all over Asia. We talked about this really in episode one, just kind of defining it kind of technically the first episode in the series, you know, there's, Hindu Tantra, there's kind of Tantras that you have in China and Japan. There's obviously the Tibetan Tantras that's sort of a passion of mine, kind of a passion of yours. But I started to realize that, you know, we're kind of, in a certain sense, redefining Tantra in a and t sense. And there's something about that that I find really personally kind of exciting, you know? That there's mm-hmm. something we're doing here, which I don't know if I was even thinking about when we first started, though I guess it was kind of sitting there in potentiality. But now I'm kind of recognizing that that's actually what's happening. And I just think that that's fantastic and interesting and something worthwhile talking about mm-hmm. for half an hour or so, you know, in this particular episode. What do you think?
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think, um, in you know, touching back on the first episode, we kind of talked about it and we used that the adage, you know, the, the teachings are always – you know, sort of classic, but the teachers are always contemporary. And, and this is like sort of an immutable fact. And I, and I think that that, you know, it's here now in terms of what we're doing, in that we're trying to, you know, bring forth things that have meaning not only in our lives, but were passed down to us by people who felt the same way. And we're they applied it to their life at that particular time. And now we're doing the same thing. So it seems fitting that you know everybody has sort of different experiences in their life, and if the goal is to really lead some sort of existence with meaning, that you would try and fit things in there uh, that are relevant and current. And so I think this is some uh, the the, pro- the byproduct you know of what we're, of what we're doing.
1: Yeah, what I find really interesting about it, and again, this is my own maybe I don't know personal epiphanies around this is you know I looked at the episodes and I was like, well you know in this one we talked a little bit about Zen. Mm-hmm. And someone could say, "Well, that's not tantra, <laughs> mm-hmm. that's Zen," but mm-hmm. you certainly can historically say Zen has a lot to do with tantra. But historically or not, that's tantra for us, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Another episode we talked about Rumi, and people could say, "Well, that's that's Sufism, <laughs> like, that's not tantra," but for us, no, that's tantra. That's part of mm-hmm. what we're trying to do here, and we did the mm-hmm. same kind of with Taoism. And when we talk about Kabbalah, which eventually we'll do, and and I kind of like, yeah. So we're kind of in a certain sense of inventing our own version, you know. I think we we want to do the the basics of sort of tantric Buddhism. That's kind of a, a fundamental thing we want to cover. But it's kind of fascinating that we're kind of inventing our own thing as well.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Well, I mean, just in the even in a technical definition, right? To weave is to put things together, and so eventually these things are going to have to coalesce, and if they have a place. In your life and your practice and are part of your story and things that are the same for me we're going to have to find a way to make them fit at some point i think you know the teachings will definitely say that it's the you know your life your experience what's real for you is ultimately what it is that you should be following and so to just ignore something that has led you to where you are and if you're happy with where you're at and sharing it then it doesn't make any sense to just simply wipe something off because it doesn't fit under a technical definition of some tradition. That's like the idea of, dogma, of dogmatism at its worst, really.
1: Well, I thought it really came up in the episode we were doing, on again, the psychedelics and spiritual experience, because you're coming from sort of a shamanistic space. And yeah, it was kind of an interesting discussion. We'd say, well, those things aren't, you know, technically tantra or zen or something, but they fit into the whole conversation. Mm-hmm. Just the same for so many people. And it was a little bit, it's, it was really interesting for me, because I was like, yeah, that means we're getting into a different space. Mm-hmm. where for us like your shamanistic experiences are tantra too and and again you're saying what's well, we're we're weaving why shouldn't that be the case and it's really true mm-hmm. but it isn't it isn't always obvious that people are going to take things that way and it, I don't know, it the more we've been doing it the more kind of i don't know maybe beautiful is the word mm-hmm. <laughs> it's striking me that uh we're making a big umbrella that captures all these things because you definitely mm-hmm. came to this probably most deeply from your shamanic experience you would say that's true right
0: Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. Without a doubt. There's, yeah, That, that and, and everything really, at some point, filters through that lens, you know? But I would say that, like, that lens is so large, it's more like a globe. It's not like a pair of sunglasses that I put on. You
1: know? Yeah, it's not like you have to narrow your vision to look through the telescope or something like that, mm-hmm. and, yeah, you know, just to mm-hmm. capture things. It's like, it's a wide-angle lens, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So as I started thinking about it, I was going, you know, well, if we are doing that, then you know, what are we trying to do with this? Obviously we're being inclusive, right? We're opening it up to lots of experiences that are meaningful for 21st century people. Like, and even in the psychedelic episode, we were talking about how that's a doorway for a lot of people, mm-hmm. for them to decide they want to do more and more deep things. So as I was thinking about it for myself, I realized, you know, we're doing something that's important, first of all, for lay people and not for monastics or something like that. We're really trying to get to the heart of what it means for lay people to do these practices And that obviously means a lot, right? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Lay people leaving lay people's lives, and so we wanted to include, you know, features of lay people's lives like work and love and sexuality and family, right? And like include those traditions and teachings that kind of incorporate those things into what we're covering here. Which I guess I realized the whole time, but it's kind of like it's hitting me in a deeper way. That's what we're really trying to do. Mm
0: Hmm. Mm Hmm. Well, yeah, because we can't. People can't exist in a vacuum, you know, words that come from somebody and go to somebody else are great if they're, if they work in theory, but if they don't work in, in actuality, it doesn't, it's not going to sink. It's not going to really matter. You know what I mean? And the whole point is not to come up with a, you know, a theory of everything, but a theory of application.
1: A theory of everything that works for that particular person or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. Because I had some interesting conversations about this you know, and what we're trying to do, we're, you know, we're doing like, if we're talking about love, we can talk about Rumi. If we're talking about sexuality, we can talk about Tantra. Like there's a way in which I, again, it makes me I'm being personal with this too, is that those things kind of weave together using your image of the weaving in my mind, as far as being a Tantra. And I started to realize, yeah, that's kind of like the goal of what we're doing here. And it reminded me of this conversation I have with a friend of mine. I have like a um, kind of one of my, one of my old grad school, uh, buddies, you know, we did a lot of commuting together back in the day. And we, we talk occasionally now. And, uh, it was kind of an interesting conversation. You know, it was, it was around the time when we're planning this out and he and I I was, you know, I happened to be in the car and we're, you know, we're doing the talking on the phone while you're commuting thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Which a lot of us have to do. And, uh, he kind of just brought up this idea of what did, what does one feel like they're here to learn as individuals? And, you know, we're, we've known each other a long time. So he kind of went to this place of saying, well, for himself he said i'm here to interested in i'm interested in two things <laughs> if there's a reincarnation why did i incarnate here i was interested in two things he said i was interested he's interested in learning about um uh, enlightenment and i was like mm, ditto gotcha right and uh he said he was interested in learning about sexuality and i said okay and then he
0: was out that was it <laughs> <laughs> that's it okay, well, those, he's... Were, those were his two things that's then that he, you know, that he tapped you gotta, out right you, <laughs> you know what I mean
1: well, he definitely has focus, you know mm-hmm. you can't criticize the guy for lack of focus hey, so i so I was like, okay, cool, I'm processing what this friend of mine's saying, and I've known him i'd easily like twenty something years you know mm-hmm. uh, uh you know one of those long friendships you had, you don't see each other all the time, but you know you still talk mm-hmm. like it's you know you just seen each other yesterday, yeah. And so, you know, we're talking about this and said, well, you know, okay, if I think about what you're saying, I would say, yeah, I, I'm i interested in enlightenment for sure, right? I want to know what these spiritual practices are about and what they actually mean, I guess, in a practical way, practices as something practical in people's actual lives, which is, you know, the whole mission statement of what our whole GNT thing is about. So I bought in on that and I definitely bought in on the sexuality thing because I, I kind of decided... I mean I, I don't know. this never was a thing for you, but I I did toy with the idea of going off and becoming a Zen monk at one time. And that was
0: oh, never no. anything on your radar at all, right? No, no. I did. We we yeah, we've we've talked about this before. I definitely did. You know, oh, not did, you ze- that, did you go that did you that deep or thinking a, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah.
1: where you think about being a monastic?
0: Yeah. which episode did that come up in? Not an episode in regular life. We <laughs> talked <laughs> the episode called Life. <laughs> yeah the episode something that Oh, one you of know. those episodes. Yeah, one of those episodes. Yeah, like- <laughs> when did we talk about that? Because we've been talking for a, a while, but I't so, this is some years ago, you know this is Oh, really? Ago. Okay, uh, so, so do do tell and share. I can't remember what, what tradition were you thinking about doing
1: that in? Was that shamanistic
0: uh, again or? What was no no, no no. This, was, this even predates um, my experience with shamanism. You know, I would say probably even predates me going to, to, to acupuncture school. Um, really probably after I, you know, before I met and my my biological father before he pat, you know, after I finished college in yeah. eight, I had just, you know, I started meditating and I, you know, at that time I was probably 26, 27, just got my undergrad, you know, I was in the army for before. So I finished later and I had just was, I don't know, I would think I was a little tired at that point from school and working and everything like that. And I just really wanted to focus on this newfound habit that I had because meditation wasn't something that I did because it was fun or anything like that. It was something that I knew that I should be doing. I probably did a similar experience too. Yeah. 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 And I just, it just got started and it just, the whole kind of thing just took me over in terms of like feeling the connection to like some larger universal awareness all the time and, all these, you know, um, synchronistic experiences. And, you know, my work is kind of like as a healer in in various modalities, I would do things and say things that were beyond my own personal intellectual capability that were so profound that, you know, when I heard them come out of my mouth, I was like, who is speaking? You know what I mean? And I, I thought that the way for me to harness those and to build those would be to remove all external input and just focus on the task. You know, uh, but I didn't really have uh, any a teacher. I didn't have any input. I, this was all very self-driven, and so there's nowhere to go. You know, I mean, I what am I going to drive to a church and say I'm ready to become a monk? You know, a monk like that didn't seem great either. So the the dream lingered in the background. Uh, you know, and I talked to some family members who uh, were are you know uh, priests at this point, and I wasn't really encouraged super deeply to do that so so
1: these were like i'm trying to remember all of this because these were priests in more like a christian tradition because i think yeah, your mom yeah. has a sufi like my mom, my mom lineage a... going
0: on yeah right so as a, as a child i went to uh you know not only did we do the sunday school thing when i was younger but then we went to different temples and instead of sunday school we would do we would read aesop's fables and sing Hare krishna you know and then uh, uh, okay we would go to some Presbyterian churches, and then my mom would have a bunch of Jewish friends, so we would celebrate with them. And then, she so it and, was like eclectic as, ha-
1: eclectic as hell, essentially, yeah. right? Yeah, and yeah. Once, yeah. She found,
0: mm-hmm. once she found Sufism, Islam, through that way, then, um, you know, then I studied with her, and I'd go to practices with her on Saturday night zikr, and we would chant for hours and hours, you know. And so, I just had all these different experiences. And when I was in the army, I never missed Uh, Bible study and never miss church the entire time that I was in, no matter where I was, even in Iraq, I still did these things. So um, it just been a such a different experience from my spirituality. And I feel like they've all been really important because I've had the, the blessing really to be influenced by so many different teachings that it makes sense to find the things that work and feel right for me. And put them together in in some semblance of a book of my personal story. So us doing this feels like it's it's. I want to give people the, the 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 reminder that it's okay to be you, you know, and unfold your story. But the act of unfolding it is the important part, you know. It's, the act seeking is important.
1: Yeah, it really like when you're talking that way, it really hits me. Like we both have this drive to do. Kind of an eclectic spirituality to 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 find those things, but it's also mm-hmm. like authentic too. It's finding that sweet spot mm-hmm. between those things that you know really is the beautiful part. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'll, I'll throw this out to you. You know, since we're we're talking a little about you and your experiences with this, so I got to the point with my friend, and he said, "Well, enlightenment." I was like, "Yeah, I'm down." sexuality, yeah, that was important. Because I did think about going <laughs> off and becoming yeah. a Zen monk. Like, I actually thought about that. And I thought, yeah. well, is that really going to happen? Yeah, not so right. much. Though so, I think some of those Zen monks are pretty saucy. Sure. <laughs> so maybe that would have worked out a little different than I thought. But at the time, I was thinking, no. And, I, you know, we've talked about maybe even some other episodes. I was like, I want to understand what sexuality and spirituality had to do with each other, you know, sure. hence G and T, Jin and Tantra. But then I think to my friend, I was also adding the idea like, I want to understand Love too Mm. and this sparked a big conversation between the two of us because i was like no love means a lot to me and you know uh romantic love soulmate feelings of love but you know Mm -hmm. familial love Mm -hmm. friendship loves you know even the love that you have when you're a clinician working with a a patient you're trying to help as a kind of a love too so i kind of had this idea like i want to do all three of these things i added one other one other thing to his list I would say, okay, if I'm incarnating, it has to do with like this trinity of things. Mm -hmm. Uh, It sparked a conversation because my friend was just like, I'm not interested in love. Mm. (laughs) And then he tried to say, well, okay, you're interested in love, but do you understand love? Mm. And he's a little bit of a, Mm. he's a little bit of a contrarian guy. He's a little bit confrontational. So (laughs) it was was an interesting conversation, but that was sort of my trinity. I said, no, this is really kind of the truth for me, you know? These are the three things I, I really care about. Uh, if someone threw that at you, would you say the same three things or would you go in a different way? I uh, probably, some people care a lot about work. I care about work. I do it, but I don't know if I feel like as it's deep about it, though. Obviously I have a, we both have a passion to share these things with people and try to make an impact. But how, what,
0: what do you, what do you think about that?
1: Do you have that same trio of things essentially?
0: So I think this is actually a really good question that, you know, whoever's listening to this. Uh, might think about, right? What is, what is your Trinity, right? What are the top three things if you, you know, cause you know, every day, everybody loves lists now, right? Lists, top 10, top five, like whatever, but we're going to make it even tighter. Top three. Uh, what are the, what are the most important three things um, for your existence? If you were to choose to come back again, what would you choose to focus on? I think it's a really actually a deep question. Um, and so I I, I, can, I have one clear answer um, that i that it has been with me for numerous years, so maybe the other two I have to come to and we 'll see if it 'll come out at the end of the sentence <laughs> um, <laughs> the The first one is to um, experience connection huh. um, and and so and to connection to what right is the next logical step and i couldn 't say connection to the to divine to the divine, probably connection to myself help others doing the same myself to others something like this this is this has definitely been. Um, a big part I think the other one is um, expression you know how how to express myself in a way that feels authentic and then and then I would say probably the enlightenment part is the third you know that's
1: that's a pretty good list you know yeah
0: yeah I think I think those are the three enlightenment's definitely on there for sure I've heard all the stories I just you know I just want even for a moment even if I forget it let me you know, <laughs> at, the, at the tip of a sneeze. I just,
1: <laughs> I think the connection thing probably includes a lot of the sexuality and love questions though.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Right. It, it's it, probably underneath
1: it, that, but it's a, it's a, yeah. it's a, I think that's beautiful too. In the way I think I see it similarly, I see that those ideas of enlightenment, sexuality and love are all part of connection one way or the other right Mm -hmm. discovering how things are interconnected so i Mm -hmm. i can certainly vibe with that way of phrasing it for sure i I get that way of talking Mm -hmm. yeah yeah now when i was thinking about i was i wanted to ask you because i was thinking about this conversation with my friend i thought well yeah i should ask daniel about this and i had the same thought it is something you can just throw out in an episode like this just to get the wheels turning for people Mm -hmm. to go okay if i really were to boil this down what do i think i'm really here about for my life now or like you said, you can come back in the future life and do it. But, you know, when you when you boil it down, what do you think you're really here about? And there's something like very clarifying about that. Right. Just to know that it boils down to these quintessential questions and it gives you the chance of really, I don't know, directing your stuff to take it where you really want to go, because those are the things that really matter to you.
0: Well, I think that one of the main things that we're trying to do is to get people to question things. Right. I mean, that's sort of yeah, yeah uh, yep. the whole first series, you know, even this now is an extension of that. It's like, well, let's, let's stop for a moment and just ask some general questions about what's important. And, you know, everyone's got to work and make money unless you have, you know, struck it rich and you bought Bitcoin 10 years ago and you're balling now, you know what I mean? <laughs> but besides those folks, you know, we, everybody has to do something with their time and make money and pay their bills and they have responsibilities and, you know, the, the, the necessity for money never stops, unfortunately.
1: Well, um, we want to we want to make sure we always acknowledge the practicalities of what's facing people's lives as 21st century folks, right? Yeah, ne- we yeah. never we never want to miss that. Yeah.
0: No, and so the point is, and here it is, you know, really smack again in this conversation. Why are you know why are you here? And you don't have to wait to be reincarnated to ask that question. You should ask it now while you're actually here, you know, while you have the, the mental capacity to do so and uh, hopefully opportunity in your life to make changes if the answer to that question isn't satisfactory to where you're at in the position of your life.
1: What I found really interesting in your list too is you talked about expression,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: and we know each other and I know that part of you too, right? We've known each other for some years mm-hmm. and that part of you that wants to be musically expressive to connect with people or you want to do a teaching or you want to do whatever it is to do that express, expressivity that makes connection. Mm-hmm. And I was feeling this actually in our doing these episodes too, you know, again, just sharing it at a certain point, you know, this really has started to feel very creative to me, mm-hmm. what we're doing, you know, in the beginning, you're kind of building something, or how is this going to work? And you're kind of putting the pieces together, but as it as it kind of has gotten rolling and the wheels have gotten turned in and the train is on the track. I started to realize, now this is getting, this is getting pretty creative for me, this whole process. And you know, that's expression and creativity are kind of there. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I think that's, that's, been really vivifying to me so i guess when you throw this out and maybe people think about this for themselves you know you start going okay what are these three things you know Mm -hmm. when you find those things i I guess it is going back to our boy uh uh follow your bliss right joey c you know you're Mm -hmm. finding your bliss then and then you you know that will always that will always be kind of energizing to you even if times are shitty and you know we're recording this in july of 2020 times are shitty (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, but you find those things and, uh, and they're just, they give you this explosion of this energy, you know, it, it's, uh, it's inspiring. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, I think at the beginning of the year, I said, they, they did a, a survey. I forgot how many Americans, maybe it was 1200 or a 1, thousand or 10,000. I don't remember one of these news outlets did it. And they said that 90% of Americans polled were positive about the future of their lives. This was in, this was in the beginning of January. Right, right? Oh, in interesting.
1: Time, right? Yeah. Right, previous,
0: previous to everything. And they did one last month and that number was down to like 45%. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you yeah. Know? And so, I mean, it's not to say, look, I mean, everyone's business is certainly, well, not everyone, but most of those business or work has been affected, you know, economically by, you know, what has occurred and what is still occurring really, uh, even probably more now than it was when it first popped off. But the, the the responsibility that we have to our own lives doesn't cease, unfortunately, you know? And so we have to find ways in which to carve out time for things that are important. But asking what's important is the first question because you can't carve out time for something that's not a priority. You have to first figure out what that priority is and then do the things that you need to do in order to make that happen, like making time to record a podcast. Yeah, it's so true, right? It's so true.
1: And then it it feels, though, it feels it feels naturally energizing right mm-hmm. you're tapping into i guess it's the word enthusiasm right mm. the divine within right mm-hmm. you know that's what that actually means, i guess so that feeling of enthusiasm ends up being there. The other mm-hmm. thing that hit me about what you were saying was the was the questioning thing, and when I was going through and saying, okay if we're inventing our own if we're inventing our own g and t here right. Bar Tantra and, and uh, Jin combination, it hit me that there's something a little contrarian we're trying to do too.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, something where we're trying to do something questioning to get people to question the the status quo, mm-hmm. to be willing, like the old Bar- Bob Marley songs, you know, fighting against the system. <laughs> Every <laughs> Bob Marley song you ever heard, mm-hmm. you know, it has that line in it somewhere. So I thought, you know, that's actually kind of really interesting to me too. But that's part of what we're trying to create here. Yeah. And, um, you know, on that note, since we're starting to get initial feedback from listeners, I had like a, kind of the, the interesting experience of seeing well, what is this kind of triggering in people what we're doing, mm-hmm. and that's been kind of I guess an enthusiasm driving thing for me too, mm-hmm. you know, and what I realized was that you know there's all these other people who are obviously have the same wheels turning that we have, mm-hmm. you know. So I can share a little bit because I got a text from somebody and I don't think she would mind me sharing this. So I'm going to share. She was just talking about, Mm -hmm. you know, we were having this conversation. I have it in actually my shot of spirit episodes too. So one of the things we're doing is sometimes like shorter monologue episodes. So it was kind of like a little bit of a response one of those episodes too. So we got all kinds of things going on under the mothership of Mm -hmm. Jin and Tantra that we're sharing with people. We got our ginseng and Tantra for Chinese medicine. We got all kinds of episodes that we're getting out. So, you know, that's part, of our, that's part of our mission statement to do all this. So mm-hmm. it really came to some idea of um, self-esteem and feelings of shame. And so she sent me this really interesting thing. She says, the shame for me comes from my family, that there's this feeling you need to kill yourself to get credit in a way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Family members will compare how miserable they are. I'm here to decide to do something I love. You know, she's in uh, uh, traditional Chinese medicine too. Mm-hmm. But she was saying, you know, in her life, she saved up, she took off work, she traveled for extended periods of time, but she feels kind of this shame in doing these things when she feels she should be just working and saving and, and uh, you know, uh, living the American lifestyle. And she says it seems to be an American society thing: work hard, be miserable, and do the things you want to do, uh, not now, but when you're retired and you're too old. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she has a ha ha. <laughs> And she's honest. She says maybe others have a different experience, but this has sort of been her experience. And I thought, you know, that's so I read the thing and, you know, again, we're getting responses to the episodes. And I was like, this is really kind of fascinating because it's so much in the wheelhouse of what we're trying to do, you know, and hearing that feedback uh, from something, you know, I was like, God, we're getting right on the mark, you know, of Mm -hmm. what I think others want to hear now in their lives, too. You know, Mm -hmm. I I guess you could say contrarian, you could say whatever you want, whatever the right word but I think that's part of tantra too, kind of intrinsically, to be willing to kind of challenge what would be the standard expectations, and that's actually what she's talking about in her text, you know, in her response to the show that she's said she wants to do that, and I thought well, that's just fantastic, you know, mm-hmm. and if the if the show helps spark any of those conversations, she's basically saying that she has a friend that she's talking about this a lot too, and I thought, you know, just imagining i i wrote her back and i was you know as as a listener and i was going you know this fantastic thanks for the feedback on the show and i was like it's so great that you and your friend are doing this you know and i'd say they're both probably in the late 20s early 30s and i thought that makes me so happy on some level Mm
0: -hmm. you know
1: that you're having these conversations and if our show can be some tiny little part of those conversations well then you know that makes the whole thing worthwhile yeah Mm -hmm. so i saw this kind of like a contrarian thing a little bit at least a questioning thing you don't have to just fight the system to fight the system or something, but you're willing to challenge those things that should be challenged. So
0: mm-hmm. Does that
1: fit into your definition for our thing too?
0: Oh yeah, I, I definitely think so. I mean, I, I think at some point, you know, you have to really kind of come to terms with who you are as a person, you know, and own it and then live your life accordingly and take the pieces that are useful for you and, and express them and live them in that way. And sometimes that isn't the, the cookie cutter mold that most people want their family members to live. And that can be challenging, you know, externally with your relationships and with, and with your surroundings. And sometimes it can be challenging internally too, because there's not always a, a clear path for those who think a little bit differently to follow in the footsteps of somebody else. There is no one else doing what they want to do. So they have to kind of find those who are doing it a little bit and then put together a community and an, and an idea about where it is they want to go and I don't know that there's always room for that. You know, I don't know if there's always space for that. I know I have a lot of um, clients, you know, t- younger teenage clients that I've had over the years as a trainer. And they just sort of, you know, right after high school, I mean, it, it's like that everything is set up for them, man. You know, I'm good for them that they could have that done, but it's like high school and then they're working with people who are very good at filling out applications and studying for the SATs and prepping them for interviews and figuring out personality tests and what schools would be the best and where they would go and, you know, whatever. And then boom, it's like right into college. And then once you're in college, you're working with more counselors and more headhunters and recruiters to get you into the right place. And then you get to the right place and now you're living your downtown life. And, you know, and, and I guess that's good for some people. Um, But I don't know if that's it for everybody. And I always encourage, you know, probably to the, probably not to the liking of some of the, uh, parents. some of the parents involved. Yeah, for sure. And I'm telling the kids, I'm like, yo, take a gap year take seven gap years. You know what I'm saying? Like if they have money, to, if your parents have money to pay for school now, they'll have money to pay for it in a year or two, you know, go find yourself a little bit live life. It's okay. Like the, the, the ticking time bomb to having a downtown apartment by the time you're 25 is only an idea. It doesn't have to be. If you enjoy working in the forest, then that's your life. And like, that's okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. You maybe won't make, you know, Um, six figures plus in order to, you know, have the newest, you know, convertible uh, hard top BMW, but like, you're going to love your life. And at the end of the day, like work hard and be miserable. Nah, I'm good.
1: Yeah. It was interesting. Like we're both kind of sharing a little bit of our stories here too. And I went through the, we went through the exact same experience. I think we both got out of our undergrad and I had this feeling like, well, there could, there's this kind of momentum to it that you're describing Mm -hmm. and the clients that you're seeing. Right. Like, you know, life has a momentum and it'll keep kind of running along in this momentum, unless you do something to kind of like slam on the brakes one way or yeah. the other. Yeah. And I kind of did that thing too. I basically said, okay, I'm going to study Zen really seriously for like, like I did it for like three straight years. It was nothing but meditating and retreats and bang. And it was this feeling like, if I don't like, if I don't change the momentum of this thing, if I don't fight this inertia, if I don't do it now, this is going to just keep going down some direction that may not ultimately want it to go. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like it was a little bit similar for you. That was the time when you started making your change too.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. Cause you see it.
1: Yeah. It was getting kind of clear. Yeah, that's right.
0: Yeah. You see it. And then you, you start to have the moment of a moment of clarity or moments of clarity where it's like, Whoa, this is, this is, has a life, you know, this has a life of its own. It's not even mine. I'm just sort of doing it. And you know, for most people, I think that's how it goes because you're working you spend so much time at your job commuting getting food preparing you know whatever buying clothes washing the, them, the activities, gro- activities of the day you know, start act- to dominate right yeah then if you look at it you add up the hours in a in a week that you are sleeping working preparing for work or commuting your wake time is actually quite small you know where you're not obligated at every moment then if you have a partner if you have children If you have a dog, if you have have the caretake for certain people, or you have some other obligations, I mean, we're really cutting down the time that we have to live, to be honest. We're really like making it small. So then the question is, what's important for you during that period that you accomplish? Is it just binge watching television? You know, is that your form of relaxation to go repeat, to do what it is that you have been doing? Or is there something more that you have aspirations towards? And if you haven't been working on them, who quells your fire? At what point did someone tell you it's not okay to think like that or it's not okay to dream like that or it's not okay to have those desires, you know? And I'm not talking about some weird, sick, you know what I mean? Like you want to, I don't know, whatever, hump a dog or something like that, you know? But I mean, you know, <laughs> okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know Desires what I'm saying? that are pathological one yeah, way or the other. Yeah, 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 exactly.
1: We it- and so on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you
0: know? I mean, yeah, if you yeah. like spoons, that's up to you. You know, I'm not, yeah. I'm not judging. I'm just saying. You, you know, know, when
1: yuck yuckery anyone's yum, yum, but you know, it's the right. dogs, it's hard. It's hard for the dog to fully consent. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, they can't sign a consent form. No, like, they can't really can't. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so, I mean, it really is something that I, I just, I, I want, I really do want people to ask themselves what's important. You well, know? that
1: was so interesting in her text to me, because I got, again, it was listeners, so we're starting to hear back. And she said, you know, that she resonated with the idea that, you know, society, our society, can damage people's self esteem. Yeah. And then she said it immediately brought to her mind how following one's dreams can bring up shame. You know, which is kind of what you're talking about. You mm-hmm. feel some kind of odd shame, like you're not doing what you're supposed to. Um, maybe other people are doing these things and you feel this pressure to do it, too. It's like it's really interesting, actually. Yeah. So she was well, using some of the same language. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and you have not a, that is true. And then it's it's perpetuated by advertisers. Mm-hmm. And it's not just advertisers now from from corporations trying to sell you, you know, skinny jeans. But it's people, it's our other human beings now who are selling ideas of a fake life, you know, on various social media platforms, right, that like you should be living your best life and all their pictures are very done up very well and the angles are right and the filters are perfect, you know, and they're selling this idea. But I am here to tell you now from working with some of these people, it's extremely high stress. They are not as happy as they appear in the pictures. And that ain't real. It's not. It's not real.
1: Really interesting because I've been talking with some students in their, you know, mid twenties, maybe, yeah, within Mm -hmm. that age range of folks. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, they do feel that really deeply. I can't I I can't totally I'm more Gen X kind of a person. I don't have as deep a connection to that, but I Mm -hmm. do hear what they're saying. They feel all of that pressure from the way that imagery is being kind of paraded in front of them all the time, right.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Of
1: other people's, I don't even know what you want to call it other people's lives in these kinds of ex- exceptionalisms that they're presenting that aren't really, that aren't really real mm-hmm. that are just kind of uh false. Yeah. But they, mm-hmm. they do, people do feel it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's a, an, it's another, it's another, form of external stress of external pressure of an artificial drive to obtain obtain well, what I, I couldn't tell you well
1: it's interesting because we did one episode with Sumit where we were talking about weaponized uh, language right mm-hmm. you wanted to focus on that and i guess this is probably something else that we'll have an episode on too just helping people kind of deal you know, you know, those people, especially within those age ranges where this is what they've grown up with, right. Mm-hmm. And it's so much part of who they are. I don't know how did that work for you. Did you kind of miss that thing? Was that part of your life at all? Age wise? I, don't know, I like... mean,
0: I, technically, I'm in the age range where it, it should be a part of my life. It is for business. You know, I will say that much. Um, but I never really like, I I just never really got into it that much. If it wasn't for business, I maybe I wouldn't be on there. Although I do organize a bunch of events. So I probably, well, that's business. So, you know, yeah, I just, I don't get into it that deeply. I do not like the the vitriol and the uh, superficiality of the mind contents that people feel like they should be sharing. I guess in
1: a certain sense, all of that stuff is potentially weaponized across a variety of ways, depending on what
0: you define weaponized as. Even like,
1: look how great my life is, and look how skinny my waist is, and look how – that's a kind of a weaponization too. It's basically kind of going like, I am somehow being competitive with you,
0: and I'm trying to project to you that I'm –
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, in some ways, I guess, superior to you or something. Is that the underlying psychology? To, yeah.
0: I'm superior to you. Follow me. And then I will tell you to be, I will show you and tell you and more specifically sell to you how, how I got to be me. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, and yeah. And
0: that's, that's our, you know, how how it goes. And from, from a tantric perspective, if we're going to do, use our own definition of this, right, how to weave things together, that is not a weaving, that's a cutting, right? that's a cutting of the individual who was not the person displaying themselves as the epitome of life, you know, and it's saying, you don't have what I have only I can help you or I can help you along that process. But that's not the building up of the individual. That's hanging a carrot in front of somebody and saying, I will show you how to get there, which is not truthful.
1: Well, that's what I guess I find kind of inspiring in the responses that, You know, I was getting to the, the that we got to the episodes and also this, this intrinsic sign of contrarianism that you have in the tantric position, like overall, this Mm -hmm. willingness to say, okay, this is what's being offered to me within the setting that I'm living my life. And I'm going to say no to it. Mm -hmm. Right. And if it means I'm going to reject things that people are telling me that I should want for some reason, even though it doesn't really seem to make any of them happy at all seems to make them all pretty miserable uh but maybe i'm supposed to want this i'm still saying no and i think that's a i think it's a powerful idea in tantra i think historically you know the root of tantra has that quality and i think for our g and t tantra you know i think uh that's like gin and tantra tantra i just g and t tantra is <laughs> the mm-hmm. t is tantra twice well, okay mm-hmm. we're saying it twice <laughs> mm-hmm. you know it's tantra tantra you know the fact that we're i, I do want to give that support to people who are trying mm-hmm. to make that change for themselves, because I think that's mm-hmm. part of what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. So I guess the last big thing as we kind of push it would be and you know, you actually came to it just, you know, from what you were saying already, though, I had it in my little show notes for myself to bring it to which was sort of the integrativeness of this, mm-hmm. that we want to give a like an integrative spiritual approach, right, mm-hmm. to support people who are coming at this in different ways from their own ways you know that's part of what we're trying to do here too and that again is I guess, part of our definition of uh tantra for the purposes of gnt right Mm -hmm. that it is integrative and it was kind of interesting to me because this is a kind of an interesting day for me on the on the buddhist tantric calendar um i had a a renewal of one of my own personal sort of practices you know Mm -hmm. so in the t- the tantras you have these sort of little uh, you know initiations that you do into practices and I, I had the one that's sort of my deepest heart practice and i like retook it today and actually i did it via zoom you know it was being kind of offered you know it's 2020 that's the only way you can do anything that was on zoom practically mm-hmm. um so it was sort of zoomed on but it was still yeah you know, it's a good experience it's a practice that's really close to my heart and you know, so I'm in, the, I'm in the glow of the practice, right? I'm feeling the enthusiasm of the day for me. It's probably a little bit why I even want to do this episode today because mm-hmm. I'm feeling the buzz of it. But, mm-hmm. you know, what was interesting about it is the practice that I do as far as the Buddhist tradition goes, Tibetan Buddhist tradition, is like really closely aligned to sort of like the Shaivism tradition. It's a It's the Shiva and Shakti part of the Tibetan Buddhist tradition. And I was like, you know, it's integrative. So my whole life has kind of been about this and it's just – it's, it's interesting and great, you know, just we didn't even plan this out, but you were just talking about for your own life. And it's the exact same thing, which I guess gives us deep insight to why the show is the way it is. Mm-hmm. Right. We're both trying to do an integrated thing. But my whole experience has been like that. Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Zen I was doing back in the day for those three years was like a Zen that had a lot of Taoism in it because Hakuin, the founder of the school that I was practicing in, so this is, you know, Japan traditional, probably Mm. Hakuin's in the 1500s, but, you know, he had like a Taoist teacher too, so he was already integrating Zen in Taoism. So it's always, for me, been some kind of integrative, some kind of integrative thing. No matter what I was in, it was integrative. And even like, you know, studying in the Tibetan Buddhist tradition now, there's four major schools of Tibet, and I have teachings from all four of them. And, you know, the founder of the school, the Dalai Lamas, uh, Lama Sankapa, traveled all around Tibet and got all the teachings for everybody in the whole place. Like everything is integrated for me. It's been kind of the whole way it's been my whole time. Um, mm-hmm. Even the Daoism I had, I, you know, I got my Taoist initiations into the Complete Reality School, which is a school that tries to integrate Taoism and Buddhism and Confucianism together. You know, so I of like, you know, that's just sort of the story for me. And that's basically the story for you, too.
0: Mhm. Yeah, it's um the I mean I think the the opposite of dogmatic views are integrative views. And that's that's the whole the premise of what we're doing and the hope of what we're trying to to bring to people is the idea of integrating the various aspects of your life through the lens of what's important to you. And I think I'll, I'll kind of, you know, bring us to a close here with the reminder of the question that we asked about halfway through the show, which is what is your Trinity? If, if you were to come back here, why would you return? And then with the second half of that is, okay, well, you don't have to come back and ask this question. We could ask it now. What are the three most important pieces of your, of your existence? Not, and not just like your life of what you're trying to do, but what, what really, what fuels you? you know, what makes your life worth living? What are you trying to experience or perform or have happen while you're here? And after you sort of isolate those, then look at your life in a very honest way and ask, are you living those those pieces? You know, it's like you referenced Joseph Campbell before, you know, are you, are you finding your bliss or experiencing your bliss? But even in a more practical sense, Are you doing the things that you want to be doing? You know, for me, like I mentioned, it was connection, expression or creativity and and enlightenment. Like, am I doing things on a regular basis that make me feel like I'm moving in those directions, you know, tangibly or intangibly? And and when I do them, how do I feel? And so, like you mentioned, when we're getting ready for the show or doing the show or preparing it or performing it, there's a, a very large sense of passion and motivation that comes around it that's charging. And you're, you overcome fatigue and you overcome mental blocks and obstacles that are, might be in your way to performing that thing. And, and that's the kind of motivation that takes people to the next sort of evolutionary step of their life. And whatever that means for anybody, it's not for me to say, but it is for me to remind those people who are listening that there is more if you choose to look for it it's kind of like uh
1: it's joy and bliss that will always be the things that will allow you to overcome obstacles those will be the those will be the best and deepest inspirations right Mm -hmm,
0: mm -hmm, the
1: mm -hmm. joy and the bliss and what you feel like you're doing
0: yeah yeah well uh for eric this is daniel we always wanted to thank everybody uh who tuned in you know we definitely appreciate the support any questions or comments please feel free to uh to to hit us up on the show and and leave us a message on the show page. You know, we definitely, uh, you know, appreciate all the feedback and all the listens and all the shares and everything else like that. So we will continue to keep doing this. Uh, So if you like it, you know exactly where to come get it. Uh, And I'll just leave it on a positive. So thank you very much. Uh, We'll see you guys very soon. Peace.